Are you the CEO of your life in biz? I'm Emily Alderson, and I'm on a mission to elevate the beauty industry one success story at a time. If knowledge is power and seeing is believing, imagine what could happen if you expanded your mind to the possibilities. What kind of shift could you make happen? This is Stories with Stylists. Cosmo CEO, the podcast. I'm excited for our guest today, Kimber. She is um, also a podcast host, which you should check out hers, the Main Mamas podcast, hairstylist, salon suite owner, educator, and um, self-proclaimed taco enthusiast. So yes. obviously the first thing I want to talk about is tacos. What's your favorite flavor? I am like a steak taco lover. Like if there's a good like cilantro lime steak on a taco, just a little bit of onion. I like the street style. I don't like a whole bunch of toppings, just steak, onion, a little bit of cilantro, always a corn tortilla. It's just classic and delicious. Perfect for that lunch break. Great yes. breath to go back to your client with. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. I'm, I'm actually okay with the masks right now in the salon because I'm like, ah, I don't have to deal with like worrying when you go to, you know, cause you're eating while they're processing and then you go back to shampoo and you're like, Oh crap. Like I just ate a onion steaky taco. Like what do I do? But the mask helps. <laughs> totally. So tell me about, um, where are you from? Where did you grow up and what led you to cosmetology? Yeah, I have been in Indiana all of my life and kind of different parts of Indiana. I grew up in Indianapolis, so pretty close to downtown Indy, which we're not a huge city, but compared to where I live now, it feels like the big city. Mm -hmm. uh, when I met my husband, we just had a compromise because he's from like Nowheresville, Indiana, and um, we I wanted to be close to the interstate. That way I could like get around everywhere and do everything that I wanted to do, but he wanted a little bit of space. So we landed in a suburb of Indianapolis and in Pendleton, and I've been here for the past few years. And I love it because my salon is also in the suburbs and I just, I actually enjoy suburban life like a lot. Like when I think of my ideal client, she is a suburban mom too. And I feel like when you can kind of connect with other people on that level, it's really, really great. But how I got into cosmetology, I feel like I have a pretty classic story where, um, you know, people you get asked all the time, like, did you always know that you wanted to do this? And I, I did. Um, however, I think back in the day, trades were kind of frowned upon as something to do right after school. I think a lot of people have that story as well. So I tried college first. And when I started in college, I started with a public relations major. And then I transferred, once I realized that that was not going to be lucrative for a while, I switched to education. And it's funny that that was what I chose for my majors in college because I feel like I do a lot of that work now and I just had to find how I wanted to do it. I knew I wanted to teach other people. I knew I wanted to, you know, be a voice on social media and I wanted to do all that, but I had no idea how to like incorporate that with doing what I love to do, which is hair. I definitely was that friend that braided everybody's hair. I did everybody's makeup in school. And uh, I have that classic story. So I tried college, spent a lot of money there, didn't get a degree. <laughs> and uh, then I realized, you know what, it's time to try out cosmetology school. And I think that 
there was just one morning when I woke up, I was a server at Chili's at the time, former Chili head, all my Chili heads out there, raise a hand up. Chili head. Um, yes. Yeah. And so I literally walked into my shift at Chili's one day and it was just miserating. And I was like, I can't do this forever. I got to find a way to do what I want to do. And uh, so I signed up for the Evade Institute in my city the next day. And I started in April of 2012 and I've been doing it ever since. And uh, I was in commission up until a couple of years ago when I became independent. And I feel like that's really where things took off for me. Uh, my commission salon, I don't want to say, I never tell anybody, I probably have said it actually, but I don't like to call it a toxic environment. Uh, I think it was more of a cage, if that makes sense, where growth was just not encouraged. It was more of like, you bring in dollars, you bring in dollars, you bring in dollars, and that's all that matters. Like whatever you want to do, like, sure, take your advanced education, but we don't really care about it. Sure, you know, market yourself, but we're not going to do any of that work for you. You have to do it all on your own and just certain things like that. So I knew that my growth in my commission environment was just caged. And so what I coach to now that I am an independent is there are plenty of commission environments out there that are great, that have benefits for you, that do your marketing, that offer all these different things that make it easier on you as the stylist to grow in that environment. I never want to tell anybody that commission is not awesome and that commission is like independent is the end all, you know, but I think for me, I had to get to where I'm at now to realize that just based on where I was. So I started my suite in March of 2018 and I've been doing that ever since and I love it. It was isolating. So I that's I, I, the idea for Main Circle, which is an education group I run with my friend Teddy and everything that I coach to now kind of stems from those initial few first months of just like that feeling of isolation and not really having anyone to talk to when you like run into an issue in your suite. There's no break room to run back to and be like, oh my gosh, someone help me formulate this. Or like, mm -hmm. what do I do? I don't know how to do taxes. Like, what do I do? And um, just those certain isolated moments kind of stemmed into everything that I do today. I think that's so cool. I, when I left my salon, I had looked at doing a sweet thing and the same thing I felt like, right. But then it's just me like yeah. room by myself and yeah, it's you don't scary. have that like camaraderie. So I think it's so great that you've started. And now that they're so popular and like way more mainstream, I think than they ever had been, it's great to have the main circle and different groups like that where you do have a team. They mm -hmm. might be right, not, right next to you physically, but um, you have that kind of support system. Yes. And I think it, that also depends on your location as far as, you know, where your suite is. Because at my first, I've moved suites once since I started my own business. And that first location still was kind of cold and everybody kept to themselves and it was just me in my room. But where I'm at now, everybody is so friendly and close with one another and there's like a sense of community and that really truly helps those like feelings of um, I'm just doing this with myself. So I really, I'm so happy where I'm at now. I'm definitely in cruise mode. The, the past couple of years have been nuts, but uh, I'm, I'm ready to cruise for a little bit for sure. That's in a good way. Yeah. Yes. We yeah. all get there, right? Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you have three kids? Yes, I have the gamut. I've, I've got an 11 year old girl. So she's in that preteen stage where mm -hmm. uh, like she just shaved her legs for the first time oh, last oh. night. That was like, oh, my heart. <laughs> and, um, you know, she's, she's in sixth grade heading in all those like middle school 
drama things. And they say, you know, everybody looks at those younger years when your kids are babies and toddlers. and They're like, oh my gosh, just wait until they get older. It's going to be so much easier. And I honestly think it's harder. <laughs> like my toddlers, it's with toddlers, it's concrete. You know what's wrong. They're either tired, hungry, angry, all those things. Once they get older, you can't, and they don't want to tell you, but they don't sort out their emotions at all. So it's just a mystery. But yes, yeah, so I have an 11 year old and then a three year old and then a 20 month old. So he'll be two in December. And it's a lot. <laughs> How do you kind of juggle? I mean, I know my answer to this when people ask about like work life balance is that there is nothing like you just fucking figure it out as you yes. day to day, yeah. <laughs> right? Like maybe I can balance yeah. my month, but each day is going to be very different. So how do you, how many days are you working in the salon? How many days are you working um, on your education business? Like what is like a normal week look like for you? That is a great question. And I love to break this down for people because I feel like social media kind of gives you, you know, that sparkly vision into what you think is actually going on. But behind the scenes, I literally just got done telling somebody yesterday, like, oh, there are days where I think I'm in over my head a little bit. So um, <laughs> don't look at Instagram as my life because it's a little bit of a shit show. So uh, my typical work week, like I am behind the chair three to four days a week. Right now it's, uh, I work longer days, Wednesdays and Thursdays, and then shorter days, Fridays, and then I'm every other Saturday in the salon. And I always say that's what I do, like behind the chairs, about 30 hours a week. And then I do feel like I have at least 10 hours of the other stuff. And that kind of falls in between, I call the moments of motherhood. So on those days off in between, I might record a podcast episode or work on a blog post or get workshop slides together for main circle. And those moments kind of fall in between, but it definitely, it evens out to at least 40 hours a week. My husband would say 50, but I'm like, I don't work that much. So. I say I'm definitely, I have to set those boundaries. I love that you asked like what the week looks like because I have to set it up in a structured way. I am an, a self-admitted workaholic. So when you love what you do, it makes it hard to pull yourself away from it. Mm -hmm. And I struggle a lot with being like, oh, well, I can just get this done really fast. Or, ooh, look at that next new project that I can do. Or like, look, I can do this. Or I want to take on the world, like total domination. And my husband has to be like, Kimber, reel it back in. Like you're home right now. Like let's, let's enjoy your time at home. So I definitely have to set up that structure and a schedule. Schedule is a big thing for me. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we talk about in like coaching or even hairstyling uh, with our clients and with other people, we talk about boundaries a lot, but sometimes the boundaries are just our, with ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Right? Uh -huh. <laughs> to ourselves and all the ideas. I know on your um, website, you have, what's it called? Enneagram? Enneagram. Yes. Enneagram. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I work like with human design, which is like a similar type thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I think things like that are so valuable because once you know yourself better and you're not just kind of like guessing at who you are, you can checks and balances yourself a little totally. bit that way. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm an eight wing seven, which the eight in the Enneagram is the challenger. So that is the part of me that wants to take on the world and do all the things and stand up for others and all the fairness and equality and reach everyone and just change the world. But then that wing seven, uh, the type seven on the Enneagram is the adventurer. So those are the ones that want to do everything spontaneously. And uh, that wing of mine is very strong. I'm always looking for the next big thing. And sometimes like, I have to tell you, tell you right now, like this is supposed to be cruise mode. I mentioned that to somebody one time and they're like, 
you're about to start a podcast that's not cruising. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess. <laughs> one <It's> more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just one more thing. Totally yeah. Fine. That's how I feel too. Yeah. So in human design, I'm a manifesting generator and it's the same sort of thing. Yes. Like you just constantly have ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to learn more about that. I had somebody tell me that quickly. I bet you're the same. Yes. Yes. And I had somebody tell me, I don't know much about human design, but I want to learn more about it. I think if you did an episode on that, that'd be super cool. Uh, but I had somebody a coach for that, but yes. Yeah. Uh, somebody told me that I'm a manifesting generator, so I need to do more research. Yeah. You can do a free chart online and that will give you like the bare minimums. And then I have, my coach is really into it. And then, um, yeah, I just follow people on Instagram. Yeah. Same sort of thing. Like I think for me, um, I've always had ideas and I've always done things quickly. Like I just say, I'm going to do this and I just do it, you know, and other people have always like kind of told me, um, like maybe you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that right now, or that's too many ideas or like reel it in or, you know, all these types of things. And you get very conditioned by others about that. And then like learning more about my design and that sort of thing. It's like, no, actually, this is the way I work. This is the way I'm made to live this life. And yep. it's totally fine. And I'm going to do yes. all this, like start a podcast. Why not? Yeah. yeah. I have to just embrace that I'm a go-getter. I'm not an overthinker at all. And honestly, that can be a fault. Sometimes, you know, you just kind of totally. jump in and then you're like, well, if it, if it gets fucked up, then that's what it is, you know? And, uh, so I have to embrace the fact that no one can really tell me what to do. I'm a go-getter for sure. And I don't overthink anything. I'm just like, let's do it. Let's jump into it first. Yeah. There are definitely times where I'm like, maybe we probably should have thought about that a little bit longer. Right. Like, I don't know my husband and what he thinks about it because it's all of us. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, my husband, he's a type five. So that is like the overthinker. And he does, he just like micro manages himself on every decision he makes. And he, he claims that I just do everything spontaneously and that I just don't think anything through. But I always like to say, no, I thought it through. It just didn't take me nearly as long (laughs) as it does everybody else. (laughs) Yes. It's a blessing and a curse. Yep. 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 But it's not like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with how everybody is. Right. Exactly. That out. That's so cool. So how long have you been behind the chair? So eight years now I graduated in, um, 2013. So I say eight, but including cosmetology school. So seven outside of school. And I have been a color specialist and balayage specialist since 2016. I spent those first two or three years kind of figuring out what I wanted to do and then really kind of honed in on my services in 2016. Um, without like talking down about or whatever, but I know a lot of people that I've worked for, like gone to Aveda concept schools, Aveda salon, um, transitioning out of that because it can feel, um, I'm trying to find a word that's not cult, but it can feel very much like this is who we are and this is what we do. And you are one of us a little bit. How did you transition out of that? Um, how did you like kind of find your own way? I love that question because I would definitely use the word cult. I'll yeah, okay. be the first. <laughs> yes, I don't think that's a bad word at all. And I honestly think that anybody in the Aveda brand would say that it is kind of a cult-like thing too, but some people are into that and that's totally yeah. fine. Um, I think my biggest problem with Aveda and it ended up being a huge issue as I came out of the, I went to an Aveda school and I worked at an Aveda salon for five years before I went on my own. So learning other color lines coming out of that was difficult because you're kind of only taught one way of doing things. 
um, when you work in an advantage salon most of the time, because I know this to be true from talking with a few different owners and reps and things like that, is they really kind of just focus on Aveda brand education versus like, and like, I didn't know what independent education was really until I was on my own. I, well, I took a class like close to the end of my commission career and was like, wait, you can just like use whatever you want like what, <laughs> and just do whatever you want. That's weird. Um, and just, you know, it was very much a vibe and you kind of like, we always, the people who are out of it always say like drink the Kool-Aid and it definitely, but sometimes the Kool-Aid's good. And if the Kool-Aid works for you, that's fine. But I think I just needed to like unhinge what I was capable of. And so when I went out on my own, it was a really difficult transition. And uh, I definitely messed up more than once. And mm -hmm. I am kind of past that now, but it's just, I think it goes along with that go-getter attitude that it's just a lot of trial and error. I think if you, if I would have spent the time thinking through what I wanted to do to leave that environment, I wouldn't have ever left because there's a lot of like, well, I'm really great with Aveda color and I'm really great with Aveda techniques and everybody loves Aveda products. Like, why would I ever leave that? But I had to kind of eliminate that perspective and just be like, there's other stuff out there. I just don't know anything about it. So let's figure it out. You know, was there like a moment or an instance where you were like, I got to get out of here. I need to do something else. Definitely. Uh, I can like remember the day and it actually, I think we could hold theme this whole episode around the fact that I do things completely impulsively, but, uh, I rolled up to the salon in my car and I called my boss from my car and was like, I don't feel good. I'm, I, I can't come in today. And I was already in the parking lot. So I kind of knew going back home that day that things needed to change. Uh, Cause it wasn't, I literally just got anxiety rolling up to the building and it wasn't my clients. It wasn't even the girls that I worked with. Everybody that I worked with was great. I think it was just knowing I wasn't going to go anywhere, you know? So I was told I could only make up to a certain commission and I was told you know, my prices couldn't raise when I wanted them to. It was more of like when my boss felt it was right. And I do think, you know, there has to be that balance, that employee boss balance. They are your boss for a reason, but um, you should be able to have open conversations. And when I discovered I wasn't able to have open conversations about growing in my business, I had to dip out. So that was two weeks before I started my suite. And um, of course, the idea was always in the back of my mind to go on my own, but I honestly had never even thought about pulling the trigger until two weeks before I left. And then two weeks later, I was at my first suite location and I got everything set up somehow in that amount of time and got a color line in and uh, had some reps that I was in contact with and just education lined up to like try to flourish in a completely like, it's, I never want to like, I can only compare it to like the Amish community rather than like a cult where like when you're breaking Amish, you know, you're like, yeah ostracized forever. So when I said like, I don't want to be here anymore, I got like kicked out of the Aveda club, you know? <laughs> so yeah, You can't yeah. buy their products. You can't use yep. their color. You can't do Yeah. Anything. Right. And I would have loved to, honestly, just because I already knew it and they are great products and it is a good color line, but it's just, they don't support sweet Silas, which is fine. And it's, I feel better now that I've learned other things. I'm glad that I had to kind of get out of my comfort zone there. Mm -hmm. I, um, when I, 
I've only worked at one salon before I opened my own and they did mostly Redken. And so it was similar. Um, It's not like as strict as an Aveda complex, but like everybody was using Redken. We use Redken products. And I kind of felt the same thing because I was having, well, for me, I was having trouble with certain things. And I was like, well, but what if I tried this? You know, we had the store. So we had salon, well, it was Maley's at the time, um, salon centric where I was like, what about that yes. color? It's shiny things, you know, I can go right. and be like, Ooh, it's this. Ooh, it's this. Yes. Ooh, oh, the first time I got to go to the beauty supply when I was on my own and like, just got to like pick whatever I wanted. I was like, I was a kid in a candy store for sure. And yeah. we could talk for another hour about the crap show that that was. Um, but yes, I just, I was experimenting a little too much, you know? Yeah. That is easy, really easy to do. It's yes. by other things and experience. Cause there are so many lines out there and most of them really great, you know, yes. but yeah. you do, I think for me, like niching down before I was just like, I'll just use them all. Who cares? You know? Mm-hmm. Right. But, well, actually that's, that's too much. Yeah. I think that I can't, talk completely negatively about working with one brand for so long because I do think that it elevated certain experiences for me in the salon. Like I still do those rituals of connection that Aveda kind of hones in on the massaging, the like sensory experiences and stuff like that. And as far as my retail goes, I try to keep to one to two lines just to make it not confusing for everybody. Um, My color lines, I've always just worked with one color line at a time. It's been a little bit different as the years have gone on, but I work with Milkshake right now and it does kind of carry that same like natural vibe. And I liked that about Aveda because I found the other color lines I was using, they were really, I have very sensitive skin and really I'm sensitive to just allergens in general. Mm -hmm. And um, I was finding that everything that I was using was either like making me nauseous from the smell or like uh, was causing some sort of like lung issue at the end of the day. And I think it's, you know, it's new. So it's like, that's a new thing entering my system. So maybe I would have adjusted, but maybe not. So I switched around a few times and laid it on a milkshake and it really has been just so great. It's amazing color. It's it's mostly natural. And I think that's kind of, so I kind of, I circled around. I went back to the all natural vibe in the best way that I could. That's cool. Um, and then how did you get into the education world as far as like salon education? I know you talked about wanting to be a teacher. I, it's funny. I, when I was a kid, I used to want to be um, a teacher as well or yeah. a philanthropist. These were like my two goals. And I was like, I don't know how to be a philanthropist. I just know that you're rich and you get to give back. And that sounds cool, but that does sound that was like more tangible. Yes. <laughs> um, but then I just, I don't know. I didn't really, well, I didn't want to finish college and I didn't really know that I wanted to work with kids. Um, and mm-hmm. that's why I love this podcast. Cause I think hearing other stylist stories and how they got to where they are and what you can do within this industry, because you're options are boundless, right? Totally. Um, so I love like, you know, however you get to where you are, but, um, so education, did you start off? Did you have a coach? Did you work with educations? Like, how did you get to be this now? Yeah. So I was in secondary education in college and I got actually all the way to student teaching is when I was student teaching that I realized like freshmen and English just aren't my style. So I started cosmetology school and I'd always kind of been a coach in my salon, even when I didn't have the title or didn't have an assistant. Um, I'm always down to like share what I know. I think, you know, you can, you have to spread that light. Like if you have it, why keep it to yourself? 
Uh, so I found myself kind of coaching in the salon and every time I would like help one of the new girls or even one of the, you know, just helping anybody with a new technique or helping them understand something a little bit better. It did just kind of make me, it filled my cup and gave me those like fuzzy feelings. So that's when I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. And when I took my first Sunlight Spalliage class in 2016, that was kind of where I really became a specialist and her name is Lacey Worley. She's still uh, a stylist. I, she hasn't done much, many classes lately because of everything that's going on, but um, she's an educator too. And she really inspired me. And if I could go back to one moment that kind of changed my education career, that would be it. So then I came back from that class in 2016 and just really decided that I wanted to help other people. And there was room for everyone at the table. And I wanted to just make a seat for everybody. And that's kind of where it began. And then it just kind of all stemmed from different moments, right? So I got into sweet education based on those moments of isolation in the salon. I got into balayage education based on those moments when you're in the middle. I feel like it's a lot more people know how to do it now, but in 2016, it was a very like, at least out here, not super popular technique. So when I could break through to somebody just on one little thing, when it came to balayage, I was like, wow, that's going to change your career just like it did mine, you know? So then I, that's how I got into technical education. And uh, I knew that that was kind of, however I spread the light, I just want to make, I just want everybody to succeed, you know, that's kind of my goal. So I would say that as far as education goes, what drives me every day is, I say this in my podcast too, I like say a little like manifestation and affirmation before I record an episode that if this reaches one person today, then mm -hmm. I've done my job. And, and when I teach a class, if one person takes one big tip away from this, then I've done my job. And uh, I'm not trying to change the world or anything, but uh, I definitely want to change someone's day. That's how I wake up every day feeling. And that's my mission when it comes to education. I love that so much. And I totally agree. And I think with any class that you take, if you can't take one little thing out of it, probably not doing it right. I mean, right. I've classes where, you know, it could be like a haircutting class, but then she said something about like working with her kid or, you know what I mean? Like you can always right. find some sort of value in what you're listening to. Totally. Yes. And you, and that's the other thing too, just like you mentioned, it's not always the technique that you walk away with, you know? Um, I, at that Sunlight's class, that was my first independent class outside of Aveda, who I've been with for so long. And so I took from that class that stuff like that was possible and that I could kind of have my own thing that incorporated everything I, lo I loved, including hair and education. I Before that, I was just like, classes are one of those things that are taught by stylists who are kind of aging out of the industry that don't know what they want to do. So they just travel around and teach classes. And that's how it felt to me. Uh, and now I know that that's definitely not the case. Yeah. I think there um, is definitely like a surge of the independent stylist though as well. I mean, even outside of Aveda, I think traditionally it was brought to you by the um, mainstream brands mm -hmm. and with their education for you. And then little by little, it started moving from cut and color technique to business building and social media stuff. And now the independent stylist is really your go-to. And I think... Um, you can find the people that fit your aesthetic because I remember, well, my boss is telling me, this is what a hairstylist looks like. This is how your day needs to look. This is what you're going to do. This is how you hustle. It was very like hustle and grind. And then mm -hmm. I started finding people that flowed in their business a little bit more. And I was like, 
I want, I want that. Yeah, that seems better. <laughs> that sounds better than well, yeah, I think in cosmetology school even, and I'm sure like this, was, it was only eight years ago. I feel like the past five years, the industry has just transformed. So this is only eight years ago that it was just like your clients are the boss. You work hard, mm-hmm. long days, long nights until your body gives out and you're done. Like that's how it goes. Have a great life. And yep. you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be like that. So I think that the growth of social media and the growth of independent education has also given us a platform to tell the stylists coming into this industry that it doesn't have to be that way. You're, we love our clients, but they're not the boss. We're in the driver's seat and uh, whether you're commissioned hourly, independent, own a multi-chair salon, you are in the driver's seat. You know, you have your own brand and you have your own business, even if you're working for somebody else. I think that's I think I speak to independent stylists because that's what I have experienced in the past two years. But I think when I talk to my audience, I want to reach every stylist, no matter what their structure is, because I feel like we're all building ourselves as a brand. Our clients, no matter what salon you work in, are returning to us for us, not because of the environment that we're in. So I think that's really important when it comes to education too, is I feel like a lot of the commission stylists out there kind of turn themselves away from all this free education that's out there because they feel like it's not for them. And I want to say like, yes, it's for you. Even if you want to stay there forever, it's fine. It's for you. Yeah. I think there's value in every part of the process, it, whether you're a commissioner, booth rental or a salon suite or want to open a salon. I don't really think there's an end all be all. I remember when I was um, booth renting it, over the years, a lot of people would say this to me. My clients would say something like, oh, well, maybe one day you can open up your own salon, you know? Right. And it it felt like, I mean, maybe, but like, right. I am running my business right now. Don't yes, you, like you this is enough. <laughs> remember how you text me for the appointment? Right. You know, right. you gave me your credit card to swipe you out. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I am running a business, lady. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I've, I've done a pretty good job of just like exposing those pieces too to people. And I feel like my clients over the past couple of years have definitely grown with that. And I feel like when you show that to your clients and you show the behind the scenes and you show everything that you're doing, it really, they start to respect you a lot more as a brand and a business, not just a stylist because you are a great stylist, but yeah. they, are st- they start to respect you as the, sh- the CEO a little bit more. So I like to say it. Yes. I love that. Um, my dog's about- wagging in the background, of course. <laughs> Sorry. Hey dog. Dogs went, but I'm trying to keep them quiet. This fly buzzing around driving me crazy. Um, <laughs> talk to me about the main circle. What kind of education you do within there? How can people work with you or just get in your vibe? Yeah. So back in 2019, I think that I had taken my vision for group education and I kind of needed that push out the door to kind of get it rolling. So I had actually been Instagram friends with Teddy Bickers, who I do main circle with for a few months. And we just kind of connected. We set up a coffee date and we realized we had the exact same vision for what we wanted to do for stylists uh, in the suite specific industry. And we're like, wait, why don't we just do this together? Like two heads are better than one. Uh, And that's how main circle was really born. But Uh, yeah, we started Main Circle in 2019. And our vision when we started was just kind of like local meetups for connection and education with Indianapolis area stylists. And so we hosted three workshops in 2019. We started with Dream Client, we moved into finances, we've also done retail classes, social media classes, stuff like that. But then 2020 happened. And uh, we have not been able to do 
an in-person workshop this year. So we had to pivot at the beginning of this year and we switched to more of that virtual class kind of field, which wasn't our original vision. So it's, it's just kind of crazy how it's all worked out, but we stick with, when it comes to our social media, a theme for the month. And that could go around a workshop that we're hosting or just around something that we think that we've been reached out to by stylists a lot that have questions on. So I feel like it really makes our content cohesive mm -hmm. and it's just loads of just free tips and education for people all over the country. Now where before we were kind of focused on the Indianapolis area. Now our reach is just kind of expanding and, uh, it's just, we, it's been awesome to see where it's gone in 2020 because it was not our original vision at all. So, uh, so now we are an education group that runs virtual right now, specifically for sweet stylists. And we hope to do more in-person like day long workshops in the future back when, or in the future when that's allowed again. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now we are loving the virtual space. That's so cool. Talk to me a little bit about partnership. So I own my salon with a partner. Um, yeah. and I think people kind of have like, uh, is it a good idea? Is it a not? Like, how do you guys vibe together? Um, how does we complement each other so well. It's like crazy. Uh, we just we just had a conversation about this the other day. I'm like the worst proofreader on the face of the planet. Like I'm the one with typing errors and my captions and I'll just like send something out that like I sent her a doc the other day for a freebie that we're coming up with soon. And uh, it had the same paragraph copy and pasted twice from where I like laid it out and just, and she's like, I'll, I'll fix that for you. And I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> um, she is so great at like the detail work and Teddy is just like, so inspiring in general as a stylist so I it's kind of funny because we talk about each other in the same way that I when she asked for a coffee date with me I was like Teddy wants to meet up with me yeah. and so we discovered at that point how well we vibe together she's definitely um not she's not an overthinker but she definitely thinks things through a little bit more and that has worked out for us so my like let's do this now and her like, let's think about it a little bit, kind of come together and just everything grows that way because then we don't send freebies out that have the same paragraph copy and pasted twice. And uh, the slides of our workshop are always so beautiful because she goes in and does her finessing. And uh, I think that just our speaking styles are totally different too. So it, it allows us to appeal to a larger group of people because I think she's a little she's a little more finesse than me. I'm like a let's go girl type girl. And, uh, uh, you know, it, we definitely just complement each other super well. And so the partnership has just worked out because we know each other's strengths and we know each other's weaknesses. And, um, I think that's the only way to make a partnership work is you can't have two heads that are butting together. They kind of have to like go into something in just the right way. And ours just, it just has happened to work out since the beginning for us. Do you have like set meeting times that you work on certain things like throughout the week? We try to once every couple of weeks just kind of come together for like a like to-do list meeting basically. Like what are we going to do this month? What's the theme this month? Um, back when, you know, we could hang out in person, we were meeting up at coffee shops and just like having fun that way. But right now we just kind of have a Zoom call every couple of weeks just to kind of make sure that everything's flowing really well. And right now we are in a cruise spot until our next workshop in October, which we haven't exactly decided what that's going to be yet, but there will be a workshop in October. And so it's nice when things just kind of come together because we understand that, you know, we're both working stylists behind the chair too. So we understand that she's in a county that opened after me. So she, I kind of like got to experience all that behind the chair before she did. So we were able to kind of like meet up and I knew it was going to work when, because I had just gone through it. And so I'm like, let's, 
let's kind of take the back seat a little bit and just kind of get some content out there for people the next few months and focus on a workshop later. So we do just meet up a couple times a week and just look at the months ahead. We just had our strategy session for the rest of the year last week and it went really great. And I'm super excited for the rest of 2020 as far as virtual main circle goes. Yeah. How would you encourage stylists 2020 style, like keep going and keep doing the things like, I mean, most of the country is working right now. We're not in California, which, um, I mean, personally, like, it's like really rocked my world a little bit. My whole identity feels like it's been taken away. Um, Mm -hmm. but I've kind of like shifted and involved in trying to figure out what I do, but it is challenging to like still get those clients and still like think about what would they want to do. And, um, I think it's hard to think of our industry as like surface level, like people come to you to have pretty hair. Well, if they can't like go out on dates, then who cares about their hair kind of thing. Right. So how do you keep like encouraging your clients and encouraging other stylists to like keep doing the damn thing? Yeah, totally. I think that, uh, there is going to be a mass kind of leave of a lot of our industry. And that really makes me so sad because I wish that everybody could just realize that this is just a season. And that's kind of what I have to tell myself every day, even if the season has lasted six months for you guys, it's a season. And I, there's always another side. You just have to like keep, gosh, if you have little kids and you've definitely seen Frozen 2, but in Frozen 2, they uh, talk about the next right thing. And I think that you kind of have to go in every day with that mentality. Like what is the next right thing for today? Because we in the Midwest probably won't get shut down again, just based on our governor's opinions on things and stuff like that. And seeing the numbers climb as they were in the beginning, you still go in every day with that fear. Mm -hmm. And I think if you just keep focusing on the next right thing, I can't imagine what it's like to be in California right now, because I think that we've noticed that based on what state you're in, your governor either respects your profession or they don't. And it's very clear to me that your guys' governor just simply doesn't have respect for the salon industry. And that can be really, really frustrating and might make you want to leave, you know? Yeah. And you're like, well, if our governor doesn't even have respect for what I do, how am I supposed to go into work every day as a confident business owner? And so I think if you just kind of like erase all of that negativity from your mind and just focus on the next right thing, even if you are out of the salon, just like, what can I do today to grow my brand and business? Even if I'll say my dumb governor doesn't want me to, you know, if my dumb governor thinks that hundred degree outside haircuts are appropriate, then what can I do to make people realize that that's not how it's supposed to go? Like, what can I do to make my clients see that this is a profession? It's not just something that we did because we love to do hair. Like, yes, I love hair, but but it's not college or something. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I sucked at college. So I did hair. Like that's not how it goes. Um, So I think that, no matter what the situation is, just always focusing on the next right thing. And that's the only way to get through. And for clients that can be just like, cause I've, we've had it happen here in Indiana where people are too afraid to come back in and stuff like that. And that's totally fine. And that's what I tell them. I'm like, well, when it's right for you, I'm happy to welcome you back. You know, just, you don't want to put pressure on anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so funny that you use the frozen two analogy. Cause I literally felt like I 
I sobbed through that whole movie. (laughs) There are times like we're listening to the soundtrack in the car because always like put on Frozen. And yeah, I'm just like, (laughs) like, yeah, every time. Into the Unknown feels like my whole theme for the year. Like I'm doing everything. Yes, that's exact. I didn't even make that connection, but you're absolutely right. And just that whole, can we just have like a little talk about Frozen 2 for a second? Because I do feel like (laughs) it is, if you don't, if you've never watched it, go watch it. Sorry, I'm trying to get my dog out of you can edit that out (laughs) but the the song show yourself how that kind of like we think the power kind of lies within everybody around us and we're expecting everybody around us to help us grow but the power really lies within us and uh, oh my gosh frozen 2 man I'm just saying it's like the best Disney movie of all time it's so funny I know I would be like crying my daughter's like what's wrong with you you know like while she's prancing around she we were in the theater I'm not kidding you like sobbed the entire my daughter's like are you okay (laughs) like I don't think so actually (laughs) I because I it's there's just something about when you um you know besides Anna and Elsa and all the things but like I don't know there's like way deeper meanings um within the songs or maybe they just resonate because it's like my life right now and all the right. things that I'm going through. yes I just think that uh the female empowerment trend is it's going strong and I'm super into it and Frozen 2 was like the perfect just example of girl power right there right I know Frozen 1 I thought Elsa was a little whiny and then but yes. this time I was like yes, girls work together, do the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Figure yes. it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Anna was the not whiny one in the first one. And then the second one, it got a little, I was like, dang, but then yes, do the next right thing. That was like, <gasps> it changed my life. <laughs> um, what else? Motherhood, tacos, business. Oh, your website is so pretty. Did you yeah. do it or um, do you have somebody that does it? How do you feel about like delegating? That's a great question. I probably should delegate a little bit more, but no, I did it all. <laughs> uh, it took, a, I redid it in the beginning of quarantine just because I had nothing else to focus my energy on. So I know a lot of you Californians are in kind of the same boat right now. So now is the perfect time, but No, my website is hosted through Squarespace and I did purchase a template. I'll do a little shout out for Go Live. They have amazing Squarespace templates if you use Squarespace. And even if you don't, I used Wix up until March of this year and I switched to Squarespace just because of that template. So I did build off of that template, but I think I've changed it so much that it doesn't really resemble that template anymore. But it was good as somebody who didn't have any experience with Squarespace to have something to kind of go off of. But uh, I I try to like, empathize with everyone who visits my website. Like, what do I like to see when I visit a website? I want it to be super easy. I want a booking button to be like right there at the top corner. I don't have to look for anything. If I want to get a hold of you, where do I do that? If I want to see your work, where is that at? And just, uh, you got to have perfect splashes of yourself in all of your social media and website and branding and all that. And I feel like when I meet people for the first time as a sweet stylist, they usually have not like, obviously I've never seen their face before, but if they've seen mine and they feel like they know me, like people will walk up to the salon and kind of recognize me already before they come in. Like they know who they're coming to see. And then because I upload those personal details, like my love for tacos and the Enneagram, um, they already have something to kind of like talk about. It gives them 
a sense of comfort as they come into the salon for the first time. I always say like, as far as the marketing funnel goes, your website is one of the last spots that people land. So you want to make sure that everything you want them to know before they come in kind of lands, lands them in that spot or exists in that space. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like, especially with social media now, there's kind of like less value on the website, but when people are looking for a new stylist, they're looking in all the places. And I, that was something that I really had to take account for um, early on in my career because I felt like referrals are such a big thing. And I think referrals will always be, you know, a sort of generating new clients, but you don't just like trust your friend anymore. You know, you love your best friend's hair, but you gotta Google the shit out of that person. Right. Yes. I know. That's what I'm like. And just think about how you find anything these days. You're literally Googling everything. Like if, Mm -hmm. if your SEO isn't like up to speed, that's a whole other topic for another day, but make sure that when somebody Googles you, that's, that's where you're getting sold. Cause yeah, your friend could say like, oh yeah, my hairstylist is great. She's fairly affordable. Here's her information. I don't have business cards anymore. Literally. I tell people kimberchapman.com. I'm not wasting paper, kimberchapman.com. And then everything that you would need to see on a business card is, is there, you know? And I want to make sure when you, cause you know, people be like, what's her name? Kimberly, Kendra, Amber, oh, kimberchapman.com, you know? So it all shows up right there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then social media wise, you kind of show a variety of yourself behind the scenes, all the things. My kids actually watched your, um, your video where you do gloss and yes, <laughs> you watched that like 12 times. I'm like, oh, <laughs> uh, you know, a couple of people reached out that their kids were really into that. My three-year-old is actually obsessed with TikTok. And so I noticed when he liked that sound, I kind of had to do something with it that way he could just watch it all the time. So that's kind of how I I go into everything with like a sense of humor too. So I think that that has really helped with my branding and my voice. I try to always, because I'm not the most like eloquent person. Um, I try to like voice out everything that I need to type up. And then I found that when I just use those words that I always use anyway, that people kind of responded to it more. When you turn off that like voice of selling, you know, because we're always selling through our social media and our website and our SEO and all that jazz. The whole point is to get people in your chair. So you're always selling something. But when you turn off that voice, that's like, you need to purchase this from me. And you turn on that voice that says, I just want you to connect with me. And then whether my service or product is for you or it's not is up to you. When you turn on that voice, people respond a lot more positively than like, click the link in my bio to book an appointment or something like that. You know, I'm like, if they want to do that, they're going to do that. You don't have to tell them that, you know, there should be a call to action with everything, but I don't think the call to action every time has to be like land on my booking page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good point to make. I remember watching a stylist in my salon who was a good stylist, but not like technically amazing, you know, right. Her clients loved her, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, she just was like 1000% herself and they just were way, way into it. And I try and kind of think about that. This was like pre-Instagram. So I kind of try and think about that, like on the social media scene, because it is, especially with Instagram, because it's just a picture, you know, and yes. you need to be so pretty and all the right. things we're in a creative industry. And so we like strive for that. And I think we get, um, what do they call it? Analysis paralysis. You know, you just totally. like get stuck trying to make it be just so instead of just kind of 
going. Yeah, I would say at the beginning of quarantine too, I let go of the pretty feed. And, you know, I have my brand colors that I try to like stick to. And I definitely want there to be an aesthetic, but I got rid of like, you have to have hair photo, stock photo in this exact order, video Mm -hmm. content. And I just started kind of posting what I liked um, and that I knew my dream client would resonate with. And then nothing change. I'm still growing, you know, like nobody hated it. So, so I'm like, I'm going to keep with that. Cause it's just a lot to focus on and pay attention to. Um, and yeah, I think that the more you use your voice also, the more you start attracting those people that are like the people you want to work with. Cause you know, if somebody lands on my page and they don't vibe with me, then why would I want them to come in my chair? So if you just kind of introduce them to that voice ahead of time, then you kind of eliminate any possibility of like a bad connection, you know? Yeah, it does kind of filter those things out. And I think yeah. with COVID and not working, um, it gave me, I know, a huge sense of like, I will never compromise, you know, for clients that are unhappy or whatever. Like, I don't have to do that anymore. I have like balling on a budget right now. Like mm-hmm. I feel way, 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 way down. Yes. And so uh-huh. I don't have to put up with things or people that, um, you know, just don't don't connect or don't want to pay my prices or don't whatever, you know, you've been doing hair at home. I made color kits for some people and that was like controversial in the beginning, you know, whether or not you should give clients color. But at the end I was like, you want to do it yourself. Yeah. The good news is thank you. But like, I never want to do that again. (laughs) Like, The good news is that because there's room at the table for everybody, you can let those people go, you know, cause there's somebody out there for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, it gives you a lot of power. Once you realize you don't have to make everybody happy, you get more power that way. And you end up working with more people who love you. I think that's so great about this kind of surge of the independent educator as well as that, um, kind of the theme behind standing in your worth and what that means. And I think like, I always, you know, you would hear it from time to time, but I didn't really know what it meant. And I also um, would implement like raising my prices and things like that, but I didn't know the why behind it and all of that. And you do, I mean, my course um, speaks mostly to like money and mindset and the business Mm -hmm. aspect of it. Um, And yours is kind of like all encompassing as well, because Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you were at a salon commission where they just kind of did all of the bookkeeping for you, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. I know nothing about taxes. In fact, I am lucky enough to have a CPA husband who takes care of a lot of that for me. So uh, I know nothing about money. Nothing. But or new. I know a lot more now. Well, sure. I bet I think whether like um, you know it or not, or you enjoy doing it or not, it's important to know that that exists in your business. And yeah, either do it and figure it out or delegate it because it's got to get done. Yes, totally. For sure. Yeah. I, I'm actually focusing my next, once I start to scale up again, cause I'm kind of still in the spot where you're at, where like I'm working, thank God every day that I am, I seriously cannot imagine going six months without an income, but, um, you know, I'm still, I'm still pretty lean right now because of everything that's going on. So my goal upon scaling again is to start hiring out some of this stuff and just enjoying more time in the cruise mode. Mm-hmm. I love that. So a few tips to end it off. Um, what is one thing you always ask a new client? I always ask if they're new to me, 
And I don't ever want this. I think that this is super important because it's, it could sound like a sort of bitchy question to ask somebody, but I think that it's really important to get down to the bottom of it. But I always ask why they came to see me today and not like in a, oh, what are you here for? What are you here for? What are we doing? More of like, why did you leave your last stylist? More of like a, why are you here today? What are you unhappy with? Um, Because people are kind of taken back by that at first. Usually they're like, whoa, why am I here today? What didn't I like? What caused me to book an appointment? Like, uh, or you could say it like that. Like, what made you book an appointment with me today? If it's in your new client forms or something, figure out the answer to that question because you might be surprised to find out the real reasons why people leave. It's usually not kind of like you were saying, like you could be a mediocre stylist and still have an amazing business. And it's kind of like that just because they left somebody doesn't mean that their hair color needs transformed or something like that. Maybe they just weren't vibing. Maybe it does come down to the technical parts. Maybe their stylist wasn't explaining something correctly to them. So I think getting down to like, why are you here with me today is super important. I love that. I also, that's like my go-to question because it could be something as small as like, we were never on time. I love my hair. I loved everything she did. I love the salon, but I can't wait 30 minutes every time. Yeah. Or like you ammo to be a better stylist knowing like what people don't enjoy. Yeah. So many different things. Like she would triple book me and I just never felt like it was a personal experience Mm -hmm. and just all these things. Cause then right from the get go, like if you also triple book, there's nothing wrong with that, but then, you know, you're probably also not the stylist for them, you know, and you can kind of figure that out in the consultation. I cannot triple book, but that was, you know, first example. (laughs) No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. People do it, man. And it's, it's like, it's impressive to watch. It's not for me, but I yeah, honestly, it. I'm inspired by it. I cannot do it. Not capable yeah. of it. <laughs> cool. Um, so where can people find you, your social media handles and all that? Yeah. So my stylist Instagram, which I tell people if they ever want like content ideas for their own stylist page, or maybe they just want to connect with me on that level is at Kimber Chapman underscore. The underscore is very important. Uh, not just Kimber Chapman, because that's somebody else, but oh, yeah. at Kimber Chapman underscore. And that is my personal stylist page. I'm on there the most frequently. Then we have my education group with Teddy Bickers at main.circle. And that's where you can find all sorts of sweet, friendly education. But I think that a lot of the stuff we teach on there is good for anybody, mm-hmm. uh, but we do kind of speak directly to sweet stylists. And then I do also have a podcast that's fairly new to the scene. Uh, it's at Maine Mamas, M-O-M-M-A-S podcast. And there I just kind of focus on connecting with other working moms, just like we did here in this episode today, which, but again, I would love to have you on my show. Yeah, for sure. As well. Yeah, this was fun. So fun. Thank you so much for being here with us and um, see you on the next episode. See ya. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you liked it, and I know you did, please don't forget to leave a five-star review. I love hearing from other stylists, so take a screenshot of the episode and tag me in it at Mindful Hair by Emily. If you have a story to share and would like to be on a future episode, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. We'll see you guys next Monday with more Stories with Stylists.